Well, I think we're, we're about ready to get started. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate that. Okay. Well, I, I apologize for that a little extra long meet and greet time. That was my fault. I was chatting away with everybody. I, uh, usually it's Phyllis Bridal that's holding us all up. She is a chatty patty. But, but today it was me, so I apologize for that. I, uh, I was in Estevan last week, uh, preaching at, at the Estevan Church of God, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, definitely some people there that really love the Lord. And, uh, and they are without a, a pastor right now. And so uh, Bishop Hasmatali thought it would be a good idea if I went down there, and he's the boss, so that's the end of it. <laughs> so, but I really enjoyed it, and I am very thankful to be back here, although I know you guys were treated with, with a great message from a great preacher, Brother Bridal. So... Yeah, that, that's probably enough. We don't want to... He, he knows. <laughs> he knows he's great. Just kidding. Well, today is the last day of our series, Forget Not Your Benefits. And that series comes from Psalm 103. And we'll have it on the screen here for you. But if you have in your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. Psalm 103. I want to read this for you one more time. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. And so at the beginning of this series, we, we first started talking about the benefit of redemption. And Philippians chapter 2 teaches us, Philippians 2, 6, 8 teaches us that Jesus came as a slave to free us from slavery. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. So Jesus's death was the price that God paid for our freedom. How many of you know that you are bought with a price? But it was actually God that demanded that price be paid. Did you know that? Okay, to satisfy his, his demand for righteousness. But this is what we can know because God redeemed us. We can know that we know that we know. Number one, you are not beyond redemption. Number two, that we have tremendous value for God to do that for us. Is that true? And number three, that we are dearly loved by God. Another benefit we talked about was forgiveness. Just before Jesus died on the cross, he said, Tetelestai, 
And that was the same word actually in biblical times that was often used in, by merchants in the business world. When, when someone would pay their debt, they would stamp tetelestai on the parchment. And that meant paid in full. Jesus paid the price for our sin and now our sin, our debt has been paid in full. Your parchment of your sin has been stamped to Telestai. And your sin's been removed from you. It doesn't belong to you anymore. But Jesus took it as far as east is from west. And he washed us clean on the inside. And he gave us a new name. 2 Corinthians 5 talks about our new name. You used to be called sinner. But now in Jesus, you're called righteous. Hallelujah. And no one can accuse you of that sin again because Romans 8 helps us to know that there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Another benefit we have in Jesus is adoption. Say to your neighbor, I am a child of God. And say to someone else, you are a child of God. Now tell someone, we're related. What did you get me for Christmas? <laughs> you know, we have a legal document that says that we're God's kids. It's Romans 8, 15. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment. You've received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. And so we have that legal document in the word of God that, that we're adopted, that we're God's kids. But, but not only that, we also have the Holy Spirit that confirms every single day that you are his. Hallelujah. We're not beggars in his kingdom. We're not slaves in his kingdom. We are children of the king and co-heirs with Jesus. Does that sound okay? Another benefit we talked about in this series is, is that we can enter into the rest of God. How many of you are here for that message? We can enter into the rest of God. That means we can enter into his provision. We can enter into his finished works. Just like, just like at creation, God created everything. Then on the sixth day, he created us. And then what happened on the seventh day? God rested, not because he's tired, but because he was finished. Right? And, and so he created us on the sixth day. So now we can enter into his rest on the seventh day, we can enter into his provision, his finished works. And we can still to do that today through Jesus. We enter into the finished works of Jesus Christ when we come into faith and salvation in Jesus Christ. We enter into healing and deliverance and joy and freedom and all the things that Pastor Phil was talking about. And the way that we know we've entered into his rest is we stop trying to work for it and we just receive it by faith. 
That's how we know we've entered into his rest. Another benefit of salvation in Jesus is freedom. We talked about how even as believers in Jesus, that we can still be under demonic oppression and still be in bondage even as believers in Jesus. But we did clarify that demons can't have Christians. They can't own Christians, but Christians can have demons. Because whatever we allow into our life is going to have influence and power in our life. But the good news is, we know the deliverer. We know the proper authorities to remove those demons. Who here knows that when the sun sets you free, you're free indeed. Amen. Jesus is the bondage breaker. He has victory over every demon, has broken every chain. Only in Jesus can we truly be free. Only in Jesus. And then we spent three weeks talking about the benefit of healing. We first established that God wants us well. That Jesus died not only for our sin, but also for our sickness. Then we spent some time, amen. Then we spent some time answering some of the tough why questions around, around healing. Like, why am I not healed? Why do I still get sick? Why did my family member die of sickness? And we talk about some of the reasons people get sick, some of the reasons people um, uh, are not healed. We talked about lack of faith. We talked about unbelief. Those are two different things. We talked about sin, demonic oppression, attack. We talked about the reality of living in a natural fallen world. And we talked about God's timing and God's sovereignty. And we concluded that whether we're healed on earth or in heaven, we'll be healed. And that we can trust God and trust his sovereignty. Is that true? Amen. And so finally today, the last benefit I want to talk about is relationship. Relationship. In Jesus, we can have a real relationship with God the Father. There's a lot of things that we can go where we can go with relationship, um, but I want to focus today on God's affection for us and God's love for us. I really believe the more we understand His love for us, the deeper that we go in God's love, that the greater and better and stronger everything in our life is going to be, but certainly our relationship with God the Father is going to be amazing the deeper we go into his love. And so if you're a guest today, good job. You, you came to the sermon where I'm going to tell you that God loves you. Last week you heard about hell. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding, Brother Bridal. <laughs> and heaven. <laughs> oh, 
oh, how to stay out of hell. So that's good. That's a good, I'm glad you said that part. Okay. But for me, one of the most telling verses of, of how much God loves us, the te- most telling scripture of, of his affection for us is in Zephaniah chapter 3. And some of you will be familiar with this scripture. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Wow. Let's pray. God, I thank you for I thank you for, for this day. I thank you for this service. Um, I thank you, Lord, for being here. I thank you for what you've already done. And God, I just pray that every one of us in this room, everyone watching online today, that we're going to be able to go deeper into your love, whether we've been a Christian for, for 50 years or, or we don't even have a relationship with you. I just pray that, that we're all going to go deeper this morning, that we're all going to get a revelation in our heart, our minds, of how much you love us. I just pray that the Holy Spirit just empower us today to know your love. And I just come against anything that's going to stop that from happening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, the first thing... I just want to break that Zephaniah 3.17 down into, into three, three parts. And the first one is that God delights in you. God delights in you. Zephaniah 3 says he'll rejoice over you with gladness. I want to read Deuteronomy 32.9 and 10. It says he found him in a desert land and in, a, and in the wasteland a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. You know, five different times in the Bible, we as believers, we as as God's people, are referred to as the apple of his eye. Okay, and that phrase, as far as I understand, has two meanings, uh, neither of which has to do with fruit. Okay, And, and so... That can be confusing, I think, when we hear the, the apple of my, what does that mean? I was listening to a comedian this week, and he was talking about this, and, and just not the scripture, but just the phrase that we use, why do we call people the apple of our eyes? That's the same as saying, you're the cantaloupe of my ankles, and the, <laughs> you're, the, you're the kiwi of my nose hairs, and it doesn't even make sense. And so I want to just talk about the two, the two meanings. So the, the first one literally is talking about the dark spot of the eye. It's actually talking about the pupil, the pupil, okay? And, and we know that our eye is very sensitive, and, and we go to lots of measures to protect our eyes, don't we? Right? Even, even like from the sun. When the sun is bright, we put our hands so we can protect our eyes. We wear sunglasses. We wear hats. Um, even, even the way that God made us has natural defenses for the eye, doesn't it? With eyelids and eyebrows and eyelashes and even how God kind of sunk our eyes into our skulls 
right? And so he's, he's given us that natural defense. Or if we feel threatened that someone or something is going to hit our face or hit our eyes, what do we do? We put up our arms and our hands, right, to, to protect ourselves. Um, uh, we'd rather our arm receive that blow than, we, than our eye, right? Because our eye is so sensitive and so important. And so as the apple of God's eye, God protects us as if we are his very own eye. Zechariah 2.8 says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches what? The apple of his eye. So God shields us from enemies like he would shield his own eye. Did you know that Jesus is referred to as the arm of God? Did you know that? Isaiah 53, 1 says, Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Jesus is God's arm that protects the apple of his eye. As the arm of God, Jesus suffered the blow that we should have suffered. He bore the wrath of God for our sin. You know, my wife and my kids, they're the apple of my eye. And I would absolutely lay down my life for them, just as you would for yours. And that's exactly what God did for the apple of his eye, for you and for me. He gave his life for us. But not only did God protect us from his punishment and wrath on the cross, but he still protects us today. We know that part of the finished works of Jesus is protection. How many of you remember that a few weeks ago we looked at that word salvation? The, the, Greek, the Greek word for salvation, that the, the verb for that was sozo, the noun soteria. And the word salvation literally means, this is what Jesus died for so we could be forgiven, delivered, healed. But also it means protection, safety, soundness, and preservation. Psalm 17, 7 and 8 says, Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you, for those who rise up against them. Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me under the shadow of your wings. Jesus still protects us today. He's still God's arm today. Hallelujah. That part of the finished works of the cross is his protection for us. We can still pray. We can still believe for that. We can still enter into the rest, into his provision, into those finished works. The second meaning of, of that phrase is little man, little man. In English translation, we have apple. There is no such phrase as apple of my eye in the Hebrew, but the Hebrew translation is actually little man, the little man. And so the little man, that's, that's the person, that's the people that you love the most dear 
in your life. Right? And the more you love them, the closer they, they come to your heart and the closer someone comes to you. Okay, you begin to see their miniature reflection in your eye. They're like a little man, a little person in your eye. Have you ever looked really close in the mirror? And in the reflection of your eye, you saw your own image. You saw a miniature image of yourself. See, God loves us so much and we're so near and so dear to his heart that we are the reflection in his eye. We're the little man. And so as believers, when God sees us, he sees that miniature reflection of himself. He sees the image that he created in Genesis 1.26. When he created us, he said, let us make man in our image and in our Likeness. This, this helps us to understand that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, they were there at the beginning. So in Jesus, when God sees you, he sees Christ. He sees his beloved. And he rejoices in gladness over you. He celebrates you in joy. And, and that's so important because that tells us that God doesn't just love you, but he also likes you. He likes you. For someone to rejoice in gladness over you, in joy for you, that means he likes you. You know, we've all got things in our, our personality, our opinions, our attitudes, how we express them, how we communicate, that make it difficult for other people to like us. Is that right? Does everybody like you? Not everybody likes me. Okay, and we know that not everyone's going to like us. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, not everyone likes you. <laughs> but, but now you need to say, but now you need to say, to the same person, but God does. God delights in you. Please hear that today. Please hear that. God delights in you. He takes pleasure in just thinking about you. He likes you so much that he wants to spend forever with you. I know there's people that don't want to spend five minutes with me. God wants to spend forever with you. And so not only does God love you and not only does he like you, but hear this today. God is proud of you. You don't rejoice in gladness over someone if you're not proud of them. 
In Matthew 3, at Jesus' baptism, after Jesus is baptized, the, the heavens open and, and that voice comes from heaven. It's God the Father. And he says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Please hear me today. If you're in Jesus, then this is exactly what God is saying about you right now. This is my son. This is my daughter. I love you so much, and I'm so proud of you. Say, but, but, but Pastor, you don't understand what I've, what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. You don't even know what I've done this morning. How many of you remember that story of the prodigal son? See, the father in that story is just like God the Father. And when the son dishonored the father and he went and chose to live wildly and live in the world and, and chose to live in sin. But then when he came back, the father ran to him, embraced him. Not just that, though. Then he threw a party, a huge party, in honor of his son. And that's what he was saying. He, ultimately, he's saying, this is my son. He's home. I love him so much and I'm so proud of him that I'm going to celebrate him with everybody. And that's what God does for you. That's what God thinks about you. That's who you are. You're the son, you're the daughter that he loves so much that he's so proud of. You know, nowadays when, when you want to show someone a bunch of pictures, what do we do? We take out our phone, we give them, their phone, give them our phone, and people just start doing this, right? Well, when I was a kid, we didn't have that. You know what we had? Three-hour slide presentations. <laughs> Does anybody remember those? <laughs> go, to someone house, go to someone's house. Hey, do you want to see our trip to Pence? Not really. Well, here's 617 pictures of it. <laughs> you know, when my, when my nephew, Josh, was born, that's my sister. My sister's older than me. And she had the first kid in our family. So, so that's the first grandkid. I was in grade 12, still living at my parents' house. You could not go into a room that didn't have Josh's picture. <laughs> my mom had an entire hallway that was a shrine <laughs> to my nephew. I don't know what happened to my pictures. But Josh was everywhere. Your picture is everywhere in God's house. Your picture is on his fridge. It's in his wallet. It's on his nightstand. Your picture, your picture is the background to God's cell phone. Your picture. 
God is so proud of you. Number two and three are much quicker than number one. Number two is God calms our fears. Zephaniah 3.17 says, He will quiet you with his love. You know, this was, this was seriously, this is probably the, the second busiest week I had this last week of my entire year. So, you know, I had my, my sermon preparation, uh, the Christmas banquet always is lots of, of stuff. I've had a lot of meetings. I started coaching basketball this week, and so that's prep for those practices. Um, and then having the practices, I've, I'm, I'm doing a, a chapel series at Harvest City right now, so I'm, I, I had to do the second uh, session in that. I subbed this week at Regina Christian School. And so, so all six days, just bear with me, I'm not trying to make you feel bad for me. <laughs> all six days from early morning to well into the evening, I was busy. I was doing stuff. You know what's amazing in those six days? I still had time to worry. Isn't that true? It doesn't matter how busy we are. We still have time to worry, don't we? Doesn't it seem like that? And, and there's a lot of opportunities in this world to worry. Would you agree with that? But God can quiet every one of them with his love. This week I was worrying about my kids, as parents do. And I started to stress, and when I start to stress, my stomach gets tight. <laughs> and I took it to the Lord, and he reminded me, it's okay, Brett. I love your kids more than you do. And he quieted me with his love. He knows how to assure us. He knows how to change our perception of a circumstance. He knows how to comfort and hold us. He knows how to bring us to still waters. He knows how to quiet us and just gently remind us that he is God. And third is God celebrates you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, he will rejoice over you with singing. You know sometimes when you're filled with with love, it just starts to come out in song. You know what I'm talking about? Let me tell you. This lady right here, my wife, she has inspired many a concert <laughs> in my car, in the shower. all of a sudden just little righteous brother starts coming on me little unchained melody 
maybe a little Chicago. You're the meaning in my life. You're the inspiration. And for sure, some Michael Bolton. When a man loves a woman. Mm. Or you know when you know when um, some of you might know when you're when you're kids are babies and they're in their cribs and they're sleeping and you're just watching them sleep has that ever inspired a song for you <laughs> there's a reason why I have a mic <laughs> and not you two um, I it's strange when I when I try to sing to my kids now, you know, they they affectionately say, "Dad, please stop." For the love of all things holy, Dad, please stop. And so I sing to them every day. But but here's what you need to know: is that you inspire a song in the heart and the mouth of God. I'm not talking about just the good Christians. <laughs> I'm talking about you. <laughs> you, you inspire a song in the heart of God. His song is about how much he loves you. How he's so proud of you. How he's so excited about you. And, and you know, he's not, just, he's not just sitting on his throne humming a tune. But that word rejoice in Zephaniah, it means spinning and leaping and dancing. So God doesn't just sing over you. He spins and he leaps and he dances and rejoices and celebrates. You! That's the God. That's the God who wants relationship in us. And so I'm just going to invite our worship team forward. I really believe, I really believe that God wants you to hear his song this morning. I'm going to say that one more time. I really believe this morning that God wants you to hear his song. It's not just that he's singing the song somewhere but he wants you to hear his song this morning. And so as the worship team plays this last song, I'm going to invite you, you can, you can engage, you can worship, 
but, but I want you to listen. I want you to take a moment and listen. I want you to hear the song of God this morning. Hear what he's telling you. Does that sound okay? Let's do that.